everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here. And today I've got a great interview with Jeff Hoatson. Jeff is a lawyer, runs family first firm down in Florida. They're in an elder law practice and they really specialize with people who are looking to protect their wealth, protect their inheritance and utilize Medicaid for nursing home and specialist care support. So this was a really great call. Their business has an interesting position because a lot of the time, the people that they're talking to and they're trying to engage with are the children of older family members who are incapacitated, who need that full-time care. So although their clients are the patient, the person in the nursing home, the people that they're dealing with are their agents, the people who have power of attorneys. So it's a really interesting conversation, A, talking about the way that they help in terms of revealing options to people that they didn't necessarily know that they had, but B, also this difference in who they're trying to engage with in terms of marketing and who they ultimately end up helping in terms of the clients. Jeff's a great guy, super enthusiastic about what he does and how they can help. And that really comes through as he's talking about the book they created. So with that, let's get to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here. And today, great episode because we're talking with Jeff about the book that he's just recently finished. So Jeff, say hi to the audience. Hey, hope everyone's having a good day. It is. It's it's Monday as we're recording. We usually record towards the end of the week. So it's a kind of, we're looking for the weekend, but this one, it's kind of the excitement of the week coming ahead. So your book, let me just get a screenshot here for the people watching. Idea, I'm always fascinated by what brings people to the idea of writing a book. So why don't you give people a quick introduction of what the book is, and then we dive into what brought you to this point and kind of jump off from there. Sure. So as a little bit of background, I'm an elder law attorney. I have a law firm here in the state of Florida called the Family First Firm. We are, I believe, the largest elder law firm in the state, possibly in the country. But ultimately, we found that you know, very frequently people, it's not that they go to us or they go to our competitors. They just don't utilize any legal services that could help them save right. tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars for their parents who are you know, sometimes in nursing facilities. And so that was really the point of the book was to raise awareness about the fact that, hey, you don't have to go broke. They don't have to lose their legacy in a nursing home just because they suffered a you know catastrophic medical event. Right. Um, you know They can leave their financial legacy onto their kids in a lot of different unique ways. So that was the, kind of the purpose of the book. And that's what the book talks about is you know some of the red flags we see when children have you know, parents in, in skilled nursing facilities, nursing homes, as sometimes they're called. But ultimately, just kind of trying to raise awareness that you actually can save it. You you don't have to lose it all. Right. It's such an interesting point because we often talk about building more business and using the book as lead generation and kind of like the nuts and bolts of why it's useful from a business sense. But the real impact that these books have on people starting the conversation and leading them to a different way of thinking, it's not as you just said, it's not you or your competition. It's often this or bankruptcy or this or much worse situation. The very real impact of being able to read something that opens someone's eyes to a bigger conversation. I mean, it's such a game changer in the very real sense, not anything kind of marketingy or businessy or entrepreneurial, but the real, it makes a difference. Do you find that a lot of people are in that position that they just don't realize they're coming in the kind of like the one-on-one level. They just don't realize even that there are options. Yeah. So that's kind of the problem is, you know, most people have never had 
a loved one in a skilled nursing facility before. You know, I mean, it, the only people that you'd really ever be dealing with that with are going to be your parents. And, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes you'll have, you know, I mean, sometimes you'll have a married couple, one of them goes into a nursing home, but what you see more often is they're kind of working together, supporting each other until one of them passes away. Right. And then the other one can't live alone. And so then now they're making the decision, okay, you know, the kids try to help out for a bit, try to get some in-home care, but ultimately it gets to a point where it's just not going to work. So, you know, because of that, the kids have, they've never dealt with this, you know I mean? And it's unfortunately a situation where they just assume there's a lot of myths out there, a lot of misconceptions about this stuff. And they say, oh, you know, Medicaid isn't going to cover my parents. They, you know, my parents have too much money. They have too much income. They don't qualify. The, you right. can't have more than $2,000 and be eligible for Medicaid, which is true. But fortunately, here in Florida, we have lots of different ways to protect what people have and still get them eligible for Medicaid assistance. Because at the end of the day, we've all paid into Medicaid. You know, every time you've paid a pay, you know, you've gotten a paycheck, there's been Medicaid has pulled out and, you know, but most of us never get to utilize that. You know, you pay Social Security. We get Social Security when you retire. You pay into Medicare. You get Medicare when you retire. Nobody gets Medicaid. You know, this is, everyone pays into it, but nobody gets it. So this is really your one chance to kind of get a return on investment and truly, you know, protect your family's legacy. Yeah. It's an interesting point, isn't it? Because state by state, the differences, I imagine, are quite dramatic. We did a book a couple of years ago now that was based around protecting, if I remember rightly, it was based around protecting the IRA investments if there is a nursing home type event. And that book was white labeled into various different states. There was quite a lot of variation within it, just the state by state rules on the thresholds. So you can imagine a situation where a family is trying to either deal with an out-of-state relative or they're getting advice from out-of-state relatives. Or like you say, all of this is happening. No one really plans for it. It's happening at a kind of critical time when there's lots of other emotional stuff going on. So it's difficult to get to feel like you've got enough time to make an informed decision. And then even where do you start with the information? That's right. You're you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's a shame because again, you know, people just, don't know. Right. You know, and, and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I was in, let's use an example here, you know, Minnesota and you know, my grandparents lived there and, you know, the state took their house, you know, mm-hmm. and it, when they went on Medicaid, the state took their house. You know, so they said, geez, I don't want them to take mom's house. So we can't put her on Medicaid. Right. Well, that doesn't happen down here. You know, we have all kinds of protections for our seniors. And, you know, that's what I always tell people is you made a very good point, Stuart, that, you know, it's very specific state by state. But at the end of the day, we know that Florida is full of seniors. We got a lot of them and our right. laws are designed to protect them. You know, so we have a unique situation here that allows us to do a lot more than people can in other states. That accounts in part for why there's such a migration down now of that population. <laughs> it's not just the weather. <laughs> <laughs> say that and the weather. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the idea that there's, Every situation is complicated. So if people have been listening to the show for a while, particularly when it was me and Betsy going into through some of the details, the answer is always it depends. And for some people in any kind of technical business or any business where there's any degree of technicality, people get hung up a little bit on, well, I can't write a book because if I write it for this person, it won't apply to that person or this situation isn't black and white all the time. The answer always it depends we try and encourage people a lot to say that's obviously the case, but you need to start the conversation somewhere. Given the relatively 
technical nature of what you guys do, particularly I imagine as each individual case is different, how did you kind of decide what to include and what not to include? It was a bit of a struggle. You're talking about in the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it really was a big challenge because, you know, there is a, so I, mean, I would say, you know, in the last 15, 20 Medicaid cases that our firm has handled this month, probably, you know, 20, I would say easily 85 to 90% of them utilize different strategies. Right. So when I was writing the book, I really tried to think of things that had a lot of universal appeal. So as an example, you know, one of the strategies we'll sometimes use here in the state of Florida is for married couples. It's one of my favorite. And basically they will allow us to move all the assets from the spouse who's in the nursing facility, move them all into the well spouse's name, the person who's in the community. Okay. Once everything's been moved, the well spouse signs some specific paperwork that we put together where they refuse to pay for their spouse in the facility, which of course people hear that. Okay. That sounds scary. But what happens is then the state of Florida says, okay, well, if you're not going to pay for your spouse, then we will. And Uh, now they get Medicaid and the spouse in the community is able to protect that financial legacy. So it's a great strategy. Again, it's one that has, I would say, been intentionally put in place by the state. Yeah. It's really beautiful for a lot of our residents. And that's a great point because some people may look at that and think, oh, you're trying to work around the system. But for any rule that's been there for more than a year, there's plenty of opportunity to rewrite the rules if it was a loophole that they wanted to close. So there's a real, another example that people will probably have heard me talk about before is Jim Hacking, who's an immigration lawyer. We've done a number of books with him. Right, Right. great guy. I've got, he's actually my immigration lawyer and a good friend. So he's... um, yeah, really, I got all the time in the world. Jim's one of those guys where I would not want to sidetrack the podcast, but if someone needed help moving, I'd be first in line. Or if someone needed to fly across country for something important, he wouldn't ask unless it was important, I'd go. Anyway, super nice guy. And that comes across in the information that he provides. So his YouTube channel, they're always sharing information. One of the things that they do a lot of is suing USCIS if cases are unnecessarily delayed for multi-multi years. But he says, particularly in the immigrant community, and I would imagine you see the same in the elder community, that people don't want to fight against the government or they don't want to seem like they're taking advantage, which then puts them at a disadvantage if they're then not taking the options. So by positioning a book that introduces them to an idea and explains it, even if it's only one of 50 possibilities, that introduction to the idea of something they wouldn't otherwise know whether they ultimately end up going that route or not, it's really the start of the conversation. So I would imagine that you see that sometimes as well. People come in for one thing, but actually another thing is more beneficial. For sure. I mean, you know, when we talk about the greatest generation, you know, which is generally who we're, you know, we're starting to help more boomers, baby boomers, you know, that as they're starting to age, you know, with that, that leading edge, they call it baby boomers, you know, kind of the older of the group. But Oftentimes, their parents, you know, the greatest generation, you know, they tend, they didn't want anything from the government. They didn't want any help. They never, you know, I've had people who refuse to take Social Security. Right. And apply for it. Right. Know? Just because they think that they don't want to take more from the system than they've put in, even though that's no. not the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, we have, we've ended up with people like that, you know, in those situations. And that's why I try to help them understand, like, this isn't something where you you're gaming the system and that's an important thing i want to just touch on really quickly and you mentioned that you know that obviously these rules are intentional we have to disclose everything we do to the medicaid offices so 
you know, sometimes I'll talk to someone about strategy and they're like, this sounds great. Am I going to go to jail? <laughs> like, no, no it's, it's totally yeah. legal. These are their rules. And we disclose yeah. everything we do. And we say, hey, here in the is in your regulation. This is why we're allowed to do this because of these sections right here that permit us to make these transfers and do these sorts of things. So, you know, not only is it intentionally there, you know, they don't fix it. But then the other piece of it is you have paid into it. You know, that's the thing that I want people to remember is it's not like you're just taking advantage of the system and, you know, you hear people like complain about people on welfare, food stamps, or all this stuff. It's not like that. You know, right. this is something that you've paid into every single paycheck your entire life. Yeah. And the system is designed to work because unfortunately there are a number of people that don't make it to that threshold who are effectively funding the people who do. So yeah, definitely not a workaround situation. The thought of reaching out to the audience of that group of people you want to speak to. So you mentioned there were two kind of clients who reach out. Ultimately the client I'm assuming is the, well, actually that's a question. Is the client who you see as your client, is that the kid, the child who's trying to support their parent or is it the actual pet, the patient themselves? So it's an interesting distinction. And the reason I say that is because, you know, when you're talking about lawyers, there ends up being this kind of like, who is the client? So the client is the parent in the nursing home. Now, the vast majority of the communications that we have are with that person's power of attorney or their guardian, you know, through a guardianship proceeding. So, you know, very frequently that person who's in the nursing home may not know what's going on. You know, they may be totally incapacitated and, you know, completely you know, have Alzheimer's or dementia, maybe be in a coma, something like this. And, you know, so it's not like we, they can talk to us. So we have to deal with their spouse, their adult children or grandchildren or brothers and sisters. Those types of people are the ones who we spend most of the time communicating with. Yeah. But we always have to remember they're not the clients. There's simply the agent for the client who is actually in that nursing facility. So knowing that this book is really geared towards the agent of the clients. Because candidly, most of the time, our clients wouldn't be able to read it. Right. That's where it's leading towards. And a really interesting point, because understanding that separation of who it is you're talking to, and the job of work of the book is to engage or catch the attention of the agent in order to start the conversation. But knowing the client is is another person, ultimately. Did that throw up any... Was there any context challenges in coming up with the content? Did you find yourself going down agent, client, agent? Was there consistency or is it not? You do this day in, day out anyway, so it's not a problem. Yeah, it hasn't been too much of a challenge. You know, I think we've been doing it for as long as we've been doing this, which, you know, over a decade, I think it's been a while. And, you know, we've done thousands of these things. It's become second nature for us, you know, with our marketing efforts, whatever that looks like, that we know that we can't really market to our clients. So, you know, the wording and the verbiage that we use has always been towards, you know, taking care of your loved ones, you know, making sure that your loved one doesn't go broken in a nursing home. Those are the types of, you know, phrases and terminology that we've always used. So transitioning into a book wasn't too difficult. It wasn't called protect your inheritance. It was making sure your loved ones don't lose things. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it could have been the other. (laughs) I guess it's we often talk about individual funnels. I guess this would be yeah. another funnel, but then well, you might, the clients might not be the best. <laughs> yeah. The thing I'll tell you as well is so frequently we have the kids come in and they're like, I don't care if this is mom and dad's money. I'm happy to use it for them. Right. That's yeah. great. I'm, I am thankful that you feel that way. Truly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 
you can use the form and they're going to end up on Medicaid anyways. Because, right. you know, it, these facilities cost over $10,000 a month on average here right. in the state of Florida. So, you know, even if you got 150000 bucks, okay, you're broken, you know, call it 14 months, right? And then you're on Medicaid, but now right. you only get what Medicaid gives you. You can't supplement any of that. As an example, you know, Medicaid will pay for a room with a sheet down the middle and someone on the other side of that sheet. Okay. That's what Medicaid pays for. Right. And most of these facilities will say, hey, if you pay us an extra three, five hundred, seven hundred dollars a month, we'll put you in a private room. Right. Now, if they don't have any money, how do they get the private room? There's no options. Right. Yeah. So you have, you know, I mean, some kids who are out of town will pay professional sitters to come in and provide, you know, additional out like companionship to their right. parents in the facility, which they, you know, these people aren't caregivers. Because the facility provides the caregivers. These are people who yeah. companionship, you know, maybe making sure that the care that's being provided is up to par. Yeah. You know, which is important because sometimes, and I hate to say it, but, you know, if, you love, if there's someone in a facility and no one ever goes to visit them, the people right. in the facility may not be as attentive to that person. Yeah. You know, the likelihood of getting hot, I mean, caught is pretty slim. With the best will uh, in the world. Exactly. And with the best will, no malintent. I mean, I'm sure there is some case of that, but even if there wasn't, it's just the natural law of of the path of least resistance. It just is built into the system, the psychology of the system. It's interesting what you were saying, the thought that hopefully people survive for a meaningful amount of time, in which case almost certain they're going to end up on Medicaid at some point because their own resources get, get depleted pretty fast. So putting off the decision, taking no decision, kind of inaction, you're going down a path towards an outcome, which isn't necessarily what you want. It's better to address it now. You were saying that the competition isn't necessarily other providers. The competition is kind of doing nothing in part because they don't know things. Is there another element where they know too much of the wrong things or it's kind of like analysis paralysis or it's an overwhelm because there's too much potential information out there sometimes we have people coming in saying oh you know what well, i've done some research and i uh, i always think to myself oh geez uh, <laughs> we gotta undo you know, this first <laughs> yeah you know it's not you know that they've done anything bad by any stretch it's more just that you know that um that this particular topic has because there's so many state-specific rules about it, the information out there is, you know, 50 times as much as it would need to be otherwise. Right. Because you have it for every state. And so then, you know, you're reading articles about laws that don't really make it clear which state it's in, or, you know, if it's a if it's a particular law firm, maybe they've written an article about it, but they, you know, haven't put, okay, this is specific only to the state of Georgia, for instance. Right. And so you start reading all this information and then you think, okay, you know how everything can go. And, you know, unfortunately that often is not the case. There's just a lot to know here. You know, I have a friend who's a nursing home administrator. They deal with Medicaid all the time. And we were out to lunch. He said, you know, I don't know how you do it, man. Medicaid is clear as mud, you know, but for us, we, that's pretty much all we do day in and day out. So it, you know, we know how to kind of sort through all the crazy things and, you know, get creative when we have to. Yeah. We've really developed our, our reputation as being the firm that just takes, takes, takes all the Medicaid. Like no matter what you've done, no matter what's out there, we'll take that case and we'll figure it out and we'll get you approved. Yeah. So because of that, we've handled the, I call them our law school exam cases. Like if you're trying to think of like, 
a really crazy like, thing that like you know, those yeah. are the ones that we end up handling. So, you know, as a result, we have this great experience and we've been able to handle anything. And so, you know, the really neat thing is now when people do come with complex experiences or situations, like we've done that, You've you know, like before. I already know how to sort through this. It's going to, you know, it's, it's not going to be quick and easy, but we know yeah. what to do. And um, it's the benefit of domain expertise, that, spe- that specific knowledge in the experience is very difficult for anyone else to match. Everyone can say, oh, we can give you a view on or an assessment of Medicaid or on opinion, but the level of depth and specificity, this is the only thing you do. It really makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, it's true of anything, right? We live in an age of specialization. Right. You don't go to your podiatrist to get your heart checked out. Right. You know, you don't go to your neurosurgeon to, you know, look at your kidneys or something. It's, we all specialize and yeah. we just happen to specialize in this. Yeah. And it is, I think, a, a function of a shrinking world and the kind of internet mass broadcast opportunities of there's very few niches that are small enough not to be viable. It's surprising. The majority of businesses down there, the book blueprint scorecard that we've got that guides people through creating it the very first idea is select a single target market because it's so much easier speaking to that group of people when you've got it dialed in i mean i'm sure there are some things that are on the edge of your world that you either refer out or you could talk about but including all those at the very early stage at the top of the funnel just muddies the water and makes it more less clear rather for the people who are trying to take that next step because the first next step is just a small one. It's not going from the very beginning to signing on a dotted line. It's the, what's the first conversation. That's right. That idea of the first conversation. So people get a copy of the book, they're introduced to more options and opportunities than perhaps they thought they had. How do you transfer that or translate that into someone eventually coming into the office or jumping on a zoom call is the next step hey, do business with us or are there some intermediary steps to the kind of evidences to them that they're on the right track? So what our plan is, and we don't have this all built out yet, but is to, you know, have a a landing page for the book that also contains, you know, what probably one of my pre-recorded webinars where I talk about some of this stuff. So they'll have the ability to kind of learn more from that as well. You know, they'll have the book, they'll have the webinar. You know, my hope is that and I'll have to go back and look at the book. But I think we put the language in there for the landing page, which will get them to the information yeah. that they can get to. You know, we always invite them to come and you know meet with one of our team members, one of our attorneys, whoever, you know, to make sure that not make sure, but to explore if this is something that's right for their loved one. Because sometimes we get people coming in saying, Hey, you know, mom, she doesn't, you know, she we need to get our Medicaid. I start talking about it. Mom's like independent living at home. And she's fine. <laughs> right. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, knocking on the window saying, you're no, no, a little no, no. early. We can do pre-planning and that's always better than crisis planning. But right. you know, we know that most people don't plan ahead. Yeah. You know, that is just the reality of life is most people don't want to take the proactive steps. They're going to react, you know, yeah. and it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. So when you get people coming in like that, we can say, hey, there's actually some better opportunities if we pre-plan now for mom rather than waiting until things go sideways. Actually, that's a great point. Is that for those, I completely agree. I mean, even in our experience in the world that we're in, and this business obviously isn't critical or life-threatening, so people will push off and delay and push off on things because there's always either I'll get to it or... I can imagine plenty of runway in the future and then five years go by and they, oh, I meant to do this five years ago. All the clients, the pre-plan, the ones who are 
open to pre-planning early, does that make a fundamental difference to their opportunities? Is it always significantly better if you plan ahead? Without question. Right. So the pre-planning is, you know, night and day better than generally speaking any other. And the beautiful thing about it is it's not, it doesn't, the pre-planning doesn't just protect from nursing homes. It protects from lawsuits. It protects from elder exploitation. It protects from probate. It protects from other medical expenses that you may have. Right. Kind of, if you can think of it, it's protecting against it. You know, it's really beautiful and that it really preserves seniors' legacies if you're doing the pre-planning. Right. And when you're doing the reactive planning, you're really just trying to preserve what's left at that particular point from the nursing homes. Okay. But yeah. when you do pre-planning, you can kind of protect from anything. So what I always say when people come in is I'm like, if you're worried about outliving your money, you may want to consider that our pre-planning opportunities, something I've created called the Family Fortress Trust. But our Family Fortress is what we use as a pre-planning opportunity for you know, other people. Yeah. But unfortunately, most people come in they're in a facility, it's too late for the fortress. We have to look at the options. Yeah. Out of interest, choosing to go the route that you've gone with the book of people who are already in that situation as opposed to the fortress and trying to get people early, was that a was it an active decision to pick that group rather than the other group? Or is it just a numbers game? 90% of people are in the we're in the facility already. Did that come up or is so the fortress is the second book? Um, oh, okay. That's going to be the follow-up to this one is going to be, yeah. you know, okay, the, so you think about planning ahead. Here's some great opportunities to do that. You know, but I will say because just, you know, human nature, like we're really good as far as, uh, you know, a species, we're really good at dealing with problems that are like right ahead of us. We're really <laughs> terrible at dealing with problems that are like so yeah. far out. So, you know, whatever your, you know, your feeling is about, you know, global warming or that sort of stuff, you know, it's, that's why, you know, you, you feel like people are always trying to make it seem so immediate. Because if it's not immediate, no one's going to deal with it. Because right. that's, that's someone else's problem, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing here. Is you know because we know that most people are not going to take the time to do the pre-planning, even though they know they should, they won't yeah. do. It. Yeah. Let's create a resource for the people who are truly just losing everything, just going broke, and they're so month after month just spending ten thousand dollars, and it's just going away. So yeah. you know, trying to let those people, those the kids of those parents know that there is something else. Yeah. If you ever looked into crafts on, on these calls, my mind starts thinking about other opportunities further down the track and drifting into a strategy call. How much business comes from, so the children, once they've sorted out the parents and then going back to the kids and saying, okay, we've got this one sorted out. Now, if we've been sensible grown-ups, we really should proactively get you sorted out because you know how this turns out if you don't. Yeah. Does that tend to happen or are people just so relieved to get this issue sorted out that they just don't want to think about it for themselves? So that is a, I'm going to fall on the sword here. That is a failing (laughs) of, you know, myself and our team to make that push because I think if, you know, right when it's fresh in their mind and we said, Hey, we can avoid this for you, for your kids. Yeah. it, It makes no sense not to do that. Yeah. Most people see the value in that. And I think, you know, by the time that those cases are closed, you know, we're moving on to the next case and moving on to the next case. And yeah. saying, oh, by the way, you know, we aren't providing that aftercare. So I think that is something that, that, you know, if we were doing that, you know, really focusing on our clients and their children as a whole, you yeah. know, we probably would do a better job of them. And there's something that I know that we need to be doing. 
But I'm also one of those typical like visionaries who has like million <laughs> ideas every day. And most of them are terrible. And so, yeah. you know, like I, I'm, I, my team is trying to like keep me reined in and all. So they only yeah. give me a certain number we can do at a time, but that's what we need to work on for sure. And we're just as human as the clients are, and we push off things that don't, aren't immediately in front of us as well. So it's funny. It does make you think that, I mean, oftentimes Dean's great at this, the kind of that holistic view on all of the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I've probably heard it on a podcast before, but he'll talk about this guy. I'm going to blank on the, or butcher the name, Mal something other, forget his name but he was like the restaurant manager at one of the vegas hotels and they were pretty successful by anyone's standards but he was looking around he'd stand out at the front of the hotel and ask people where they were going when they were jumping in cabs and they were all going off to these five-star michelin star restaurants mm-hmm. and he realized that they had a show but it wasn't a top tier show and they had hairdressers but they didn't have salons and they had a restaurant but it wasn't a an award-winning restaurant so it was all profitable but he closed it all down, revamped it all, brought in like a Michelin star chef and all of that business that was going out. So rather than saying, okay, we were a million dollar night establishment, but 600,000 a night was going out. He said, okay, we're losing this $600,000 by it going out of the door. So what can we do to bring it all in? And that's kind of like the full story of really holistically looking at if we took care of every single element of this, not are we just getting 100% of the piece of pie that we're doing, but what of the pie are we not doing? So interesting. Yeah, Um, I jumped around a bit on subjects there. What I was going to ask, the idea, and I know it's early days, but from thinking about writing the book and then envisaging having it done, and then how you were getting the book in front of potential clients, have you had any thoughts down that route? As I say, I know it's only just done, so maybe this is early, but in terms of now it's complete, getting it into people's hands, is there anything that springs to mind as a path to those people? So one thing that we've been wanting to do well, so there's two pieces of this. The first one is that we are wanting to promote it in the webinars and seminars, you know, and giving it away there. The other thing we're planning on doing is, you know, in our local paper, we had a couple of ads running for a number of months and, you know, different things about what we do, but make up ads specifically about the book and just like free giving away the book. Yeah. You know, just say, you know, free book about, you know, Medicaid, don't go broke, nursing home, whatever, you know, yeah. and just mail those out to people when they call in for, you know, collect their name, phone number, address to mail it to them. And now all of a sudden we can start dripping on them from a, you know, long-term drip yeah. campaign, marketing campaign. The physical media option is such a great one because the book as an offer is such a value-adding way of continuing the conversation. Have you seen the, the email mastery ad that we ran in Success Magazine for the email mastery book. I'll send it to you when we jump off the call. And actually, I'll stick it in the show notes. So as people are listening to this, I'll link it in the show notes so people can get a copy there. So email mastery is another program that we have. So we ran a, a magazine ad in Success Magazine that talked about the nine word email, which is one of the eight or nine strategies in the book. Right. So that ad was written as advertorial. So Dean, when he describes it, talks about if someone only read that ad, read that content, I wanted them to walk away with something. And then obviously the next step. So there's definitely a way of turning it into advertorial so that you're really delivering a nugget of value. And 
obviously there's more to learn, so grab a free copy here, in a way that positions it as, here, not here's the beginning of information, but to really get the full picture, you need to speak to me. That's like the bait and switchy side of it. But instead, here's the complete answer for one thing, and obviously yeah. there's more, so get it. Such a great opportunity. And then on the webinar idea... Uh, the fact that the book leads to the webinar is the next step or in the webinar referring back to the book. And I've advised people in the past even to have like the book itself and have things circled and actually talk about it on camera because it's so reinforcing of the point. And if you're trying to kind of sow those seeds, I often think that people, as soon as they get on the list, they are optimistic that their problem is going to be resolved. As long as the train tracks that they're on keep taking them in that direction and there's nothing that scares them away or derails them or throws them off the train then the ultimate destination is to be on a call with you so to be able to reinforce that every stage um i always try to remember to ask people if they had anything that was holding the back to begin with or if they were advising someone else at a, a business meeting if someone was on the fence what would you say in terms of the value of the project or any barrier to overcome to get started? You know, it was, so it was surprisingly easier than I thought it was going to be. But one thing I realized is that when I was, so this is maybe a bit of advice for the people who move forward with it. I realized that, you know, cause it's, I don't know. Am I allowed to talk about the process? Or should I not talk about it? Yeah, yeah, feel free. We're pretty open and transparent about well, it. I'm sure I'm not like, <laughs> so it's not, uh, it's okay, not, it's kind of we a, just do it well. It's not rocket science. Yeah, so it's kind of an interview <laughs> sort of process. And I'm, you know, we're, they're recording it. We're speaking back and forth. Um, with that, you know, I, I realized that oftentimes I speak in a way that I don't think translates well into text. And so right. while the main ideas were there, I had to go through a lot of revising to make them more readable. Yeah. Because I tend to speak very informally. You know, and while I want some informality, you know, in the book to kind of give a feel for who I am, I don't. Yeah, there's a balance. So, so that was something I realized, but ultimately the process itself was substantial. Like I have tried to write a book for years and I, you know, it's very difficult. You guys have the prompts and like the layout, the, you know, that make it simple to actually put this together and in place. Yeah. I was very pleased with how a process felt very daunting, became very simple. I think that's such the key. I mean, we talk a lot. And when we started doing this 10 years ago, there were far fewer other people doing it. And now there's a number of people who have got a similar idea. But this idea of streamlining the process, everyone thinks of the book. I was talking to someone on a podcast the other day and saying the persuasion of Robert Cialdini book, all of the benefits that we get having authored an idea is a lot of the persuasion elements of society thinks that a book is a thing and the person whose name is on the front has all of this authority and credibility. So we want to benefit from that as kind of like a secondary benefit of actually having it and being able to collect details. It's easy to fall on the wrong side of the persuasion equation, I was calling it, and stop ourselves from doing it because we fall victim of the same, okay, well, if I want to write it, there's all of this stuff that goes along with it that's difficult. So yeah. that breaking the threshold, making it easy to get done, and it can always be revised later, it can always be developed, it can always be pivoted. But going from zero to something is immensely more beneficial than never getting out of the blocks because it's too difficult. I'm conscious of your time. It's It's been great to catch up. It'd be really great to catch up in a few months' time and see how it's going once it's hitting the public and seeing how people are responding to it. In the meantime, if people want to check out what you guys are doing, where's a good place for people to go? 
Sure. So probably the easiest place to get in touch with us or figure out what we're doing is www.fff.law. We used to have a much longer domain name and I want <laughs> a real easy one. So fff.law. And that's short for Family First Firm. The other one is familyfirstfirm.com. You got to spell the whole thing out. And it's a <laughs> People oftentimes misspell or leave off the firm or whatever. So just fff.law gets you to our website where you can learn about a lot of the things that are going on. We also are pretty active on social media as well. You know, Facebook forward slash family first firm, I think. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure I put links in in the show notes. So as people are listening or watching, they can check that out. I always think it's interesting because on the one hand, the authors or potential authors, business owners who are listening to this, they're not necessarily going to turn into clients, but you never know where we've had many stories of people who make connections through but even if not, even if they don't turn into clients, there's still a kind of business relationship that gets built and in the wider world, you never know what might pop up. So it's always good to share the details with people and also check out what other people are doing just to be inspired. Yeah, Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Like I said, I'll make sure that we've got links to all of your resources in the show notes. So as you're listening, definitely check out those. And then, yeah, it'd be really great to have you back in a few months and see how it's going. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Jeff. Everyone, thank you. We will catch you in the next one.